it's all about knowing your body and being able to listen to it and I so the section leader very interestingly said that her body didn't cope very well in heat and I thought actually I'm pretty sure my body does so that's why I decided to give it a go because obviously I'm sure a lot of people saw me out on the roads that day and thought that's a really silly thing to be doing. Welcome to this World Extreme Medicine podcast. My name is Dr. Jen Sherman, doctor, coach and expedition medic. If you're a paramedic, doctor, nurse, physio or indeed anyone working in healthcare who has a curious and adventurous mind, then this is the podcast for you. Today we are joined by Prisoni Horning. Prisoni has always been interested in the medical side of things, but unsure of whether a traditional healthcare path was for her, she joined the Army Reserves as a combat medic technician. Her enjoyment of this has led her to recently complete Army training and she is due to begin her medical training within the Army. Her hope is to become an expedition medic in the future. Welcome Prisoni to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Jen. It's a pleasure to be on here. Um, I'm doing very well. Thank you. And my favourite question to all my um, all my um, all my interviewees is, where are you dialing in from today? <laughs> oh yes. So I'm I'm going to apologise in advance just in case it gets noisy, but I am currently in a car park in Betty Hill, which is very north of Scotland. <laughs> um. Bab. And what's taking you to there? So maybe talk us through what's what's taking you to the to the nor- northernmost parts of Scotland. Absolutely. So I am currently supporting a women's relay. It's the end to end um, that is run by Love Her Wild, which is a women's outdoor adventuring community. Um, I think they definitely look mainly at getting women that maybe don't feel very outdoorsy or adventurous into the outdoors but we also have a lot of women that have very um a lot of experience in the outdoors as well so it's really lovely that they knowledge share and and do that so i'm currently in scotland supporting the women's end-to-end relay wow and how long have you been part of that have you been are you just joining for this section of the relay or have you been involved in the whole relay or yeah no I have actually been involved in the whole relay so I started out with the group um, on the 16th of June we started in Land's End and we are making our way up to John O'Groats which we will finish there on Sunday the 28th of August so we've passed a baton up it's been pretty much different women every day which has been absolutely amazing so I've got a really lovely balance because I was cycle support for for the majority of it I've currently got a day off so that I can do the podcast with you guys today and catch up on some phone admin Um, but I've been cycle supporting the majority of it so I started out there cycle supported all the way up Um, and yes hopefully we'll be walking with the group tomorrow and then cycling in to meet them um, and see the baton finish at Land's End on Sunday which will be phenomenal. Yeah fantastic that's fantastic and what um, I guess it would be really interesting for for um, for myself and the listeners to understand what has been your own journey into adventuring? Yeah so I have done a bit of bike packing before I've got into running um, I've also 
recently joined the reserves as well as you mentioned in in your intro and um i guess i've i've i love being outdoors it it really does make my soul sing so i guess when i saw this come up i was feeling a bit restless um and i thought why not why why don't why don't i do that why don't i support all of it um i had wanted to walk all of it but bex the founder very very quickly pointed out very rightly pointed out as well that you can't walk 74 days back to back which is how long the relay is going to take um so i said oh well i've i've always wanted to do it on the bike um and i would just love to be a part of of the relay so can I cycle support it? And she said, absolutely. And then you can, you know, book days off and, and see it all the way into the end, which is hopefully what I will do. <laughs> That's fantastic. And have you always been a, an, an outdoorsy adventuring type? Is this something that's been part of you and your identity since you were quite young? Or is it something that you find later on in life? Uh, it's been that's that's interesting, actually, because I've been talking to people about that. And I don't feel like it's been more extreme outdoors um activities definitely i was very lucky as a child to go on to um kind of summer camps that my uncle ran he was a big ray mears fan so we would go and um, have the opportunity to make shelters and create fires and forage so i was lucky in the sense that i got to do that but never the um cycling or climbing mountains or things like that that wasn't that that was like a bit that was a bit too far for, I think for my parents so that I definitely found um with my current partner he was very adventurous he loved climbing hiking he had been in cadets so he had that sort of military background for expeditions so I quickly <laughs> got used to that sort of thing which I think is is why I was was able to transition into the military reserves quite well hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah no, definitely and I think I think your um I guess your professional kind of journey up until now and the journey that you hope to go on you know um moving forward will have been will, will be of interest a lot of our you consider a traditional healthcare route at any you know the traditional kind of healthcare training routes at any point or was you felt was for you it would be yeah really interesting to hear a little bit more about that yeah, of course. I had always been interested in in kind of medical side of things, probably more alternative or what we call alternative medicines. Um, so that that had always been curious in biology and how you know the body and brain and mind all work together. Um, it wasn't until I was on furlough um, during the lockdowns that I considered retraining. And I just had a look and I thought, well, as I hadn't done any sciences at A-level, um, I then probably wouldn't be able, I would, you know, find it hard to get into university. So I'd have to then go back and do an A-level and then university. It sounded like a lot of time and money. And I didn't know if I was 100% committed to that line of work. So I thought, oh, there's a 202 field hospital right near me. Why not um, join that? I had done OTC at university, so I had a little bit of knowledge about it and also from my partner as well. So I decided to go and yeah, sign myself up to the 202 field hospital so that I could become a, a combat medic technician and then get the military training that way and also the medic side of the training um, and essentially test it out while also getting paid it sounded like a win-win situation 
definitely definitely yeah no no I, I definitely it's more like a um like an apprenticeship isn't it you know you're kind of on the job um yeah and, exactly I mean, how, how you, yeah, definitely. I mean, how have you, um, how how have you found that? You know, having never been in a healthcare kind of um role before, but then kind of moving into that that place. Well, I'm very excited to start it. I have just passed out as a soldier, so I'm sure you'll have lots of listeners that know this already but first you pass out as a soldier before you start your trade training so I will be starting my trade training when I go back um, in hopefully I can start it in November I'll have to do three different courses first the CMT3 then two and then CMT1 at the end which is the I guess the first class qualification. <laughs> yeah so it's a bit of a journey then from here on in and when you when you um, kind of joined the OTC at university and then um, went into the reserves, I mean, was that was that something that had always interested you, or you know, this idea of kind of military and that kind of path of training and what that brings in terms of lifestyle and skills, or was it something that kind of came about actually out of the blue? If that makes sense. Yeah, so it it has been um, a bit out of the blue, actually. My great grandfather. No, my grandfather on my dad's side um, was in the RAF and my grandfather on my mum's side did his military service in the ambulance service, I believe. So there's not very many ties to the military. So I'm not sure why I had a sort of fascination, but I did always. And I think actually it came from babysitting a very well-known war correspondent's children um, and talking to him about all of his adventures and what he got up to, and I'll never forget him one time telling his daughter to go off and, and get something that he had brought back for her. And she came back and she went, look at this, and shoved this little toy tiger in my face and said, doesn't it smell like bombs? <laughs> and he had picked it up in a war zone and brought it back for her. And um, I yeah, I think all those sorts of things just gave me a fascination with I mean, it sounds weird to say with the fascination with war, but definitely a a sort of connection and wanting to be a, a part of a part of it in the sense that, yeah, to tell the story, I had wanted to be a war correspondent like he was, um, and then I thought actually, I feel like I would be doing more good <laughs> by going into the medics. So that's why I decided to do the medical corps. Mm, that's really interesting isn't it it's the it's the power of people the people we meet in our life journey and how they can influence um what we aspire to be isn't it It, it's so interesting isn't it how powerful um individuals and memories of individuals can be and shape on our journeys and i guess what i'm wondering is um given all that um with what you're doing at the moment with supporting the relay and um, with love her wild have you been supporting it from a logistical perspective or have you actually been wearing multiple hats and supporting it from um a bit of a first aid perspective as well so what what exactly um have you been you know have you been doing in terms of um your supporting role in that in terms of support for the relay i yeah. it's actually been more logistics so kind of I think Bex has really found it helpful having somebody that's been there the whole way that can tell the, you know, section leaders and the women that are participating, um, you know, how how it's been, 
just re- be reassuring um, the fact that I'm there and can answer any questions that they might have or at least source the answers for them quickly. Um, there's been quite a lot of me having to go and get things that people have forgotten in places and generally what would happen is I would see the group off in the morning spend a bit of time then um, try and meet up with them around 11s lunchtime and then at the end of the day um, so kind of just being a constant meeting up making sure that they're okay on track um, bringing snacks (laughs) so yes so in terms of first aid apart from the very hot day which um, I think obviously got up to about 40 degrees in London we got up to about 36, 37 here. They did have to cancel the relay and I um, cycled the baton that day and um, was <laughs> potentially a little bit foolish in crossing Marsden Moor at two o'clock in the afternoon with no shade. I did consider fighting the sheep for the shade <laughs> at the edge of the bridge, but thought they've got hotter coats than I do. So um, <laughs> just sun creamed up. I had also got an ice pack, so I shoved the ice pack down the back of my <laughs> neck and got off the moor. So that's also been a way that I've been supporting. It's a couple of times I've had to cycle the baton as well when it's, yeah, either we've not had anyone or it's been had to be cancelled because of health and safety reasons. Um, so, yes, I've been taking the baton on at points as well. So pretty much anything that needs to be done, I'll do it. <laughs> Which, you know, um, there's kind of two two lines of questions that come to my mind just listening to you say that. One is, is obviously these are wonderful skills that you are getting first-hand experience with in terms of um, in the future. I know you would like to move into the expedition field and, you know, what you're doing now is you're gaining personal experience, actually, really, in that you're often a bit of all trades, whether you're a, an expedition medic. So... Um, I mean, have you had time to reflect on that? Have you had time to reflect on actually the experience and the skills that you've been kind of able to acquire and how that might hold you in, hold you in good stead moving into the future? I think I'll definitely need a bit of time to, to definitely do a proper reflection. But as you say, the skills that I'm, that I'm gaining now that hopefully will yeah, absolutely be appealing for me to become a expedition medic is that being okay in all situations being organized and able to multitask um being very resourceful which is one thing one thing a woman said to me she was I didn't I didn't worry um when she left her phone at Tanhill Inn she's like I didn't worry I knew even though I'd said I left it on the table if it wasn't there I knew that you would know what my room number was having me mentioned it and ask if you can check the room as well and I was like that's so lovely (laughs) that she she actually um had done eight days back to back with us so we got to know each other quite well so it was really lovely having her perception of me after those eight days as being someone that was resourceful that was lovely to hear um so yes I have definitely noticed things that will be useful and I will definitely need to reflect once it's all over (laughs) big big journey isn't it you've been on and what like you know you obviously mentioned that fantastic example of obviously having to cycle through the moor in the middle of a heat wave and you know uh, I guess what I'm getting at is that have there been moments of challenge for you over the last couple of months in your support role with this relay yeah definitely so the yeah pushing the bike across more in the middle of (laughs) of a heat wave was definitely one way that I pushed my boundaries um but I think it's all about knowing 
your body and being able to listen to it. And I, so the section leader very interestingly said that her body didn't cope very well in heat. And I thought, actually, I'm pretty sure my body does. So that's why I decided to give it a go. Because obviously, I'm sure a lot of people saw me out on the roads that day and thought, that's a really silly thing to be doing. <laughs> I did obviously have the support, um, which is why I felt comfortable doing it. I know that obviously being on a bike, you can create a bit of your own breeze and there was a wind. So I felt comfortable in the knowledge that my body did did okay in heat, that I would be able to do it. And obviously there was, there was I knew that there was support if I, if I couldn't carry on. Um, so yes, that was definitely one boundary I pushed. I guess the other one, although... I was lucky enough to go travelling for about five months before university. That was the longest time I'd ever been, but it felt different this time, having two months on a bike, being mostly by myself out on the roads, and then obviously having the nice element of the social meeting up with them in the morning and night. But that was definitely another boundary that I pushed, um, having that experience of solo travel and fending for myself out on the bike and on the roads like I've had a lot of a road sections up here in Scotland because there's not many other roads and the route is very different to one you would pick if you were going to cycle John O'Groats to Land's End the way that I've been following um so I've had a lot of a road sections so that's um that's definitely pushed some boundaries of me feeling safe and keeping myself safe as well um so yeah lots of lots of boundaries that have been pushed on this trip and and the length of doing two months um I guess fending for myself <laughs> definitely I mean I always think with solo traveling um um the really interesting thing is that we all based on our personality and life experiences we all have different experiences of 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 what we perceive um of, of how we perceive spending a lot of time on our own for some people it's like relish it <laughs> this is wonderful and for others I can actually, hear you perfectly can now I think it just dropped out for a moment so um, I was just asking not, I think you did you know, your question I was just asking that as well as solo, idea of um, being, your relationship you know, being, um, with the solitariness so I guess what about that side of things was that how have you found that kind of um that solitariness have you found that to be a scary place at times a peaceful place at times um yeah it'd be really interesting to hear your kind of relationship with that yeah so I have enjoyed it at times there were definitely days where I wasn't able to meet up with the group um I think it was like two days in a row and I was feeling um rather lonely actually and Lo and behold, one of the women that we had met up with who wasn't walking but had very um, kindly found a place for us to eat and had come and met the group in had said that she was going to the place that we would be finishing the next day. Um, but otherwise, other than that, you know, I had no idea where she was going to be. And I came out of the cycle route, entered into the town and suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone running at me from the <laughs> from the left hand side. And it was her. Um, and so that was really nice. So it's it's almost like um, whenever I've had those those thoughts of either being scared or alone, um, it it's been it's been provided for me the the solace so I had an instant where my derailleur broke and I had lent my charge pack to one of the group because I knew that it was not far 
till the next place that I would meet them. So I was like, you can have my charge pack and um, I'll just see you when I get there. Um, my derailleur broke. So I then my phone battery died. I couldn't charge up because I didn't have my charge pack. And I was like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? And there had been an incident um, that was slightly uncomfortable one with a guy in in Cornwall. And I suddenly thought, you know what, I usually hitch. But what if? what if I get somebody that I don't want to hitch with? What's going to happen then? And I thought what I need is is a female saviour to come around the corner. And a couple of cars had passed me and, and not picked me up. And I was like, it's a bit unusual, me sticking my thumb out with a bike on my shoulder because I couldn't even wheel it at this point. Um, <laughs> but they obviously didn't think that was an unusual sign. Um, but then this woman came around the corner, a lovely mother of three who luckily didn't have her children in the car at that point, And she squashed my bike into the back and gave me a lift to the rest of the group. So, um, again, I have definitely had the kind of yeah lonely and scary times. And luckily, <laughs> they've all worked out. Yeah. And there's so much wonderful learning that comes yeah. from those yeah. experiences. And there's so much there, wonderful learning um, that comes from those experiences. Yeah, really isn't there, is. I think it's, um, it's actually a question yeah, I wanted to ask. Really um, and you, you know, it's actually a question so I wanted to ask. Um, you, you know, because um, there's been um, so much topical discussion about outdoor groups in the media, but I know within outdoor groups. That are safe for women. As, I mean, as, have you, know, you as felt safe as, as um, you know, as a solo female traveller as an adventure? Um, providing cycle support for this family is an adventure. Have you felt safe doing that in terms of your personal security and physical safety? Or has there been moments where you've actually thought that was that was a very uncomfortable encounter? Because I know you just mentioned about that. Yeah. So. I I have definitely overall felt safe and it has been so nice to kind of have um yeah that reassurance that actually most people out there are are there to look after you so the the incident that I mentioned was a guy that was obviously trying to be helpful but I could I, I don't know I felt like behind his eyes I could see there was there was a an intention that I didn't like and he got a little bit too close and was like touching the bike he was still saying you know helpful things but I was like I, I don't like this situation um and so I just said my friends are waiting for me and and cycled off but that was the only time that I felt unsafe in a kind of for, for personal safety and I was able to luckily get myself out of it it was you know the middle of the day but there was just a feeling there and I think that's something that comes from being out and about and relying on yourself I think everyone has intuition and that potentially you don't have the reason or the quiet maybe to to listen to it and um and learn from it so that's I guess one one thing that's good and I could feel my fight fight flight (laughs) kicking in um and I I flitted out of the situation um so luckily that was that was fine but otherwise overall it it has been I felt safe there was a there was a woman that kindly took me in in Alston um and it ended up us knowing uh, us having a connection um her son had also gone to university at the same and she was just wonderful and she treated me so well um she gave me a mini bottle of Prosecco and some crisps and told me to have a bath and 
uh, maybe breakfast in the morning um, and it was just lovely so those sorts of things those have happened far more than than the uncomfortable uh, situations so it's it's been lovely to get out there and just yeah renew your faith in humanity <laughs> yeah definitely definitely and I think you're a hundred percent and I think your point about intuition is so so powerful it's something that um I mean this is this is antidotal just from speaking to a lot of women who've done solo adventuring and they all mention the same thing about when you're out there in your solo adventuring you really learn about your intuition you know you really really get so in tune with it and I think that that's something that outdoor adventuring um as a woman not even just as a woman as as anybody can really provide which I'm not sure can be provided by a lot of other experiences if that makes sense there's something so unique about that the multifaceted um multifaceted um components of outdoor and adventure challenging <laughs> um is so rich in experience and learning so yeah that's really interesting and really wonderful to hear that you know it's been it's been a journey of restoration of faith in humanity rather than the opposite um so that's yeah that's wonderful and some really lovely memories i'm sure um so what i would love to hear about is you know obviously you've mentioned that after the relay is finished, you're moving into doing your medical training in the um, uh, in the army. Um, so what then, I know you'd love to get into the expedition world. Where has that came from, that idea of expeditioning? Um, and how do you, or where, how do you hope, or where do you hope that that might take you in the future? Absolutely. So I had handed my notice in and thought I'm just going to have a proper adventure and hopefully I'll have an epiphany about what I will want to do next um, by speaking to all of these amazing women that I will meet along the way and that has certainly happened as you mentioned I have decided definitely through seeing the section leaders either whether they're lowland or mountain leaders just be out there and enjoy what they're doing I thought I want to do something like that and then with the added combination of hopefully my combat medic training, I thought, why not something like expedition medic or wilderness paramedic, which is something that I've just come across through one of the section leaders, as I believe she said she was a wilderness paramedic. And she gave me some links to diplomas and masters that I can do across the country and then um, lots of information sources. So I'm hoping to have a look into that. There was also one lunchtime where we stopped near a little canal that was having a fair and the emergency services it was up here in Scotland actually that were on the ground there was the International Rescue Corps and I thought oh I've never heard of them so I went over and had a chat <laughs> and they said that they were mainly based in Scotland but that was another another avenue that I thought I might want to explore once I've finished is potentially look into um doing a master's and then maybe working for something like the International Rescue Corps or seeing what I can do expedition medic wise through the army as well um, see if there's opportunities like that but still very very new to the idea um, and looking forward to what I might be able to to find or do with it once I get back and qualified. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And in terms of um, like leadership, because often when we're talking in the expedition medic roles or expedition or wilderness paramedicine, it's it's so much about leadership and about um about um 
kind of of course having the medical skills and being you know confident in 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 those but it's also about having the leadership skills as well so it would be really interesting to hear how you feel this current experience has helped with your leadership um, style your leadership skills is it something you've even thought about maybe it isn't I don't know but it would be really interesting to, to, to know if you've um yeah how it's um it's maybe influenced that yeah absolutely it hasn't until recently actually because I've been able to see so many different section leaders and how they lead and I have been lucky enough to to walk on a few of the days as well so that I can actually see them in action um because normally I would be staying with them afterwards or seeing them off in the morning and kind of seeing them in between times so it was it was great to be able to go on the walks and and see how how they were and obviously they all had different leadership skills so again it's something that I would like to reflect on um I'm hoping to put my ramblings together <laughs> and then I can reflect on it properly but um yeah the leadership side of things definitely and I think also they've been honed through the reserves as well each um each person in the section would have to be the section commander for for a day or so so that also helped um and I've definitely got a lot more confident and that's something again that the outdoors gives you which is why I found the relay so important is the confidence that you can look after yourself and so therefore you put that confidence into all other areas as well which is is necessary but also a kind of consideration for the person and their experience and where they might be at I think it's a lot about people skills leadership yeah yeah no definitely and it's um I mean, I'm, I'm forever finding it's a lifelong journey in leadership. You know, you never, um, for example, what I mean is, a, you know, having in the last few years became a mother. I never would have anticipated that that would have then had an impact on how I lead in other professional capacities. But it has hugely, hugely. It's hugely had an effect on it and it's been a really positive influence. So I think it's something that our leadership styles and our leadership skills are constantly um, developing with the other life experiences we accrue, which is wonderful, isn't it? It's um, the way it should be. <laughs> but what I would love to know is what you're planning on doing when you finish on Sunday. How are you going to celebrate? <laughs> yes. So I've, I've, sadly got to get straight back down to Shropshire which is where I'm currently based so we will be I think I need to find out how big the group is that day but definitely there'll be some bubbles involved and then hopefully a meal as well just to finish off we will then be traveling back down to Shropshire on Monday um and what I'm looking forward to most because I know that I'm probably going to get those post-adventure blues is the fact that we've got a film tour um, hopefully happening next year once the film from the relay has been made and then we're going to show it up the country so I'm hoping that I can get back um, and then 
have a proper celebration that way because hopefully we'll be able to get people together and it'll be in a little bit of time since we've seen them and hopefully we'll be able to get everyone involved those that walked those that haven't those that supported and hopefully have a, eat a little party at each destination and that will I think feel more of a celebration to be together again and just reflecting on our experience and reminiscing and I think that will be the best celebration of all. <laughs> Definitely and I think <clears throat> it's something we speak a lot about on the expedition courses is that is this idea that the importance of the of what you do whenever it ends and, and actually having a plan and having something positive in place so that you can um so yeah because the, the post-expedition blues is a really real phenomenon or the post-adventure blues I call it you know it's such a real phenomenon um psychologically so I think having something like what you've described already organized and something creative as well where you can pour you know all the experience into something creative like a like a, a, a movie or um a documentary is 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 wonderful so that sounds amazing <laughs> it sounds fantastic um Unfortunately, um, it's actually time to draw this episode to a close. Um, time flies. Um, I also am really enjoying, Brittany, the beautiful bird song in the background. Wherever you are, there are some beautiful birds singing. So it's it's been a wonderful backdrop to a podcast. It's been a very soothing for um, the nervous system. Um, so, um, but um, I, I, <laughs> um, I would love to know, Brittany, I am sure that are going to be um, listeners um, today who would love to connect with you um, to hear what you've been up to and what you're going to do in the future. What is the best way to, to connect with you? Yeah, of course. So I had been very against Instagram um, until this trip. And then I thought, actually, it's probably the best platform for my family and friends to keep updated and know that I'm safe and still going instead of me having to, to contact them every day so I do now have an Instagram which is Prittany Horning just my name um, so if you type that in my face will pop up so you'll be able to follow my um, journey that way if if they if people want to thank you so much that's great so that's just um just to repeat in case um, any of the listeners just didn't hear it's just Prittany Horning so if you just Prittany's name into Instagram and she will pop up um, and I'm sure there's some wonderful wonderful pictures up there from this amazing journey you've been on over the last couple of months um, but um <laughs> all that it remains for me to say is thank you so much Brittany for joining me today and for such an inspiring conversation and um, I hope that the remainder of the relay over the weekend um, is a roaring success and thank you so much WEM listeners for joining us today and I'll see you next time thank you Jen if you've enjoyed this episode of the World Extreme Medicine podcast, please subscribe, like and share. And if you want to meet lots of other risk-taking, rule-bending and inspirational people, then you need to be in Edinburgh on the 19th to the 21st of November for this year's conference. Tickets are on sale now. Go to extrememedicineexpo.com to find out more.